And we are live. Hello, folks. Welcome to this episode of the Connection Loop podcast by Dub. My name is Ruin Dua. Today, I have with me Tony Baldwin. And we've had some great conversations about music, about perseverance, and about why WD-40 is called WD-40. Now, maybe you know this story, maybe you don't. We're going to share some really interesting insight on how to break through and how to be free. Ultimately, maybe it's not money that we want. It's time that we want. And of course, money can buy time. So in this episode, we're going to show you how perseverance can pay off and ultimately give you what you really want, which is freedom. So, Tony, break this down for us. Give us a little bit of an intro, and then let's get right into the topic. Well, I was blessed uh, as a child to have a mother who believed very uh, clearly that not giving up assured eventually success. And, of course, she went all the way back to Confucius uh, and all along the line, the great philosophers who have said, you just have to keep going. Now, that's an oversimplification, but life for everybody that we know presents problems and challenges. Give you an example, one that I recently had. Well, recently, uh, I had a mortgage company with over 20 uh, employees, about 25 loan officers. And in 2008, 2009, something happened. We had that crash, and I was a premier broker with uh, Bank America, Chase, Wells Fargo, and I thought they knew what they were doing, and I was going to be just fine. Mm. Truth is, what happened ended up costing me seven rental properties, hundreds of thousands of dollars, because I believed that was going to work. Well, at that time... I lost basically everything. I lost my money, my business, and my identity. I had a choice. Again, going back to my mom, she told me that when you feel like you're at the end of the rope, Reuben, that you simply tie a knot and hang on and just keep doing it. Going to the question of WD-40, the reason it's called, says he lost everything, yeah, so I did. I lost everything and I had a choice and the choice was to go on and find something else or to do what the gentleman did who, who invented WD-40 and say, OK, I'm going to keep trying. I started doing uh, digital marketing first off with text message marketing. Then we did digital business cards and we're doing both of those still. And eventually mobile optimized websites. So again, instead of feeling defeated, I, I looked for a way that I could take my skill set, which is designed to help people sell things. Mm. You know, I did sales coaching. That's how I built a very successful mortgage business. But at a moment when I had lost everything, I had a decision to make, give up, quit, whatever. Uh, and this year had a little setback. I had cancer and a heart attack and I had a decision to make. My daughter's telling me, dad, just stop. But I want to exchange value for value, Ruben. I want to be worth something. I want to give and to receive, but I have to feel like I'm giving something to the world. You can never fulfill that 
if you give up, you will become the not on a log, the person who's standing against the wall. So it is an opportunity every time we have a downfall to get up. Do you mind if I read a couple of things? As I said, I'm with, uh, I work with Dub, as you know. I think it's one of the greatest things that ever happened. But Thomas Thomas Edison said, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Mm. Winston Churchill, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Albert Einstein, pretty smart guy, right? It's not that I'm smart, he said. It's that I just stay with the problems longer until Mm. I solve them. Maya Angelou, you may encounter many defeats. It's just that I stay, excuse me, but you must not be defeated. And probably the most famous persistent person we all know was Abraham Lincoln. Mm. If you get a minute, go look at, go Google Abraham Lincoln failures, and you'll find that he had a life filled with failure, and his first real success was when he was elected president. Think about that for a moment. (laughs) The most influential human being in American history who literally changed the course of the world. He was defeated for everything. He ran for Congress. He ran two or three times. He ran Mm -hmm. for Senate. He lost a campaign for dog catcher. (laughs) Think about it. It is amazing. Exactly. Thank you for pulling that up. It is amazing. But in 1860, he became president of the United States and literally didn't just change the world that he was living in, but the world that we're living in. Mm. One more, Michael Jordan. You may have heard of him. Michael Jordan said this. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games in my career. 26 times I've been trusted to take the last shot and missed. Mm. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Mm. My grandfather, God rest his soul, quoted someone that I can't remember right now. But the, the statement was, find me a man who has not failed. I'll find you a man who has tried nothing. Mm. So having these values implanted and they are values that giving up is not an option. I will tell you something following on with that. I'll give you, I'm going to be a a confessor here, if you will. Okay. Persistence and perseverance are the key to continuing, but they've got a twin or almost a twin. That is quite frankly, consistent. So perseverance can take me past the big problem, but success means I have to be consistently Mm. persistent. I have to find something that I believe in that I can promote and use my skill set, but do it daily over and over and over again. And if there's a failure or a problem, 
okay, I'm fine. I'll persist. Uh, yeah. And basically, mm -hmm. that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I love this story. I mean, I have so many questions, so many thoughts. Uh, the first thing that I that I wanted to ask you is that how can what advice can you give people that are embarrassed of their failures? So it's one thing to have experienced them. It's one thing to have learned from them. It's one thing to fail forward and to make some sort of an improvement. But how can we turn our failures into our into something that we're at, at a bare minimum comfortable in sharing at a maximum proud of sharing because it actually helps our brand and, and the fact that we've elevated our consciousness? Well, that is one of the greatest questions that anybody ever asked me. And uh, <laughs> thankfully, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. When you're training people to sell in particular, there's a lot of fear of failure, as you know. And the way I've talked about that to people, I, I, are you a sports fan? I think so. A little bit. Not too much. I, I stopped. I went on a complete TV diet about two years ago where I don't watch any TV. So as much as I can be without TV, which okay. means. Well, really. most people, most salespeople in particular have a sports team. And I ask yeah. them this question. If your team could play as many games as they wanted to, and we only kept a record of the successes. How would that be? Mm. We only count the wins. And in truth, in business and in, in sales in particular, nobody ever goes to an insurance guy and say, well, how many uh, policies didn't you sell this week? They talk about the successes. So in light of the question that, that you asked me, it does take a certain amount of self-confidence to realize that your failures, just like I told you about mine, is to point of pride. Mm. Your failures, as you said, they're a point of pride because what they mean is you're not that person that's sitting on the side of the court. You're the person that's in the game. You're the person that's striving for success. And we all know every failure, if properly evaluated, is another step towards success. Mm. And in the case of w, uh, WD-40, they had 39 failures. Mm. And they described that in the same way that Edison did. He mm. said that he didn't really ever fail in the sense that he learned that didn't work. Mm. Didn't, that did not work. Uh, but yeah, I think being proud of, I'm proud of my failures cause I'm just, I'm not giving up. You know, there's, there's this gift that I think that occurs when we fail forward and we persevere, which is an, an unplanned benefit, something that takes place, something that we learned about in the process of. A failing. So I think the classic example of this is my, one of my favorite examples is actually the post-it note where at the 3M company, there was an engineer that was trying to develop a glue. <laughs> and I think that it was, there was a piece of paper, of course, and something that he stuck the piece of paper to, and it didn't stick very well. And it was extremely easy to remove it and it did not leave any residue. And at first it was a failure. It was a really poor performing glue. But then there was a realization that was made, which was, wow, this is a temporary glue where I can post a post-it note 
And when I remove it, there's no residue remaining. And I think wow. that these happy accidents that happen to us are these, they're, they're sort of like these gold nuggets on the, on the path of failure. And I'd love to get your take on this is things that you've learned in your life as pure accidents. Wow. <laughs> I, I, again, I got to confess many, many of the things that I've learned in life were pure accidents. Mm -hmm. uh, to name one, that's a bit of a challenge, but well, actually, I had a pure accident yesterday uh, mm -hmm. learning something. So, and it happens really quite regularly. I don't know, I can list a bunch of them, but yesterday I was looking for a solution to a problem. And I could not find it. And I never found it. But along the way, I ran into two solutions to other problems I'd been challenged with. There you go. I mean, it, it was incredible to me. So uh, I, I didn't think of that in the way you described it. But in mm -hmm. truth, it was. It was an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've had lots of accidents in term in in this, in the world of sales where you would go to meet one person and there was somebody else there quite accidentally and mm. person A had no interest and person B said you're kidding me you're in the mortgage business I've been having a hard time refinancing There it is that's it right place at the right time I mean how much is how do you define luck Uh well I think I told you, oh, no, I guess I told Rob this. When uh, Lefty Drizel was a coach at the University of Maryland, I coached the men's team in the summer league, and he had a, he had a uh, sign over the locker room for the Maryland players, and it actually said that, luck is the intersection of preparation and opportunity. Mm. Yes. Luck is is the intercept. And, and I, that stuck with me. Lord have mercy. That's been 40 years ago. And I still remember that and think about it. We have to be prepared. Uh, and there's, there are other elements. I mean, and I'll share this with you. It's a little off topic, but in the mortgage business and in every sales business, I think if, if you can do this now, it's not hard for me because I'm a North Carolina hillbilly and we talk to everybody. Okay. But I would do it myself and teach uh, people that work for me to do it. Be in the line at the grocery store and say to a person you've never seen before, did I ever tell you what I do for a living? And they just laugh and say, dude, I don't even know you. Well, maybe I should tell you. I'm in the mortgage business. If you know anybody who needs to get a mortgage, love to help them. I yeah. never say, do you need to refinance or get a mortgage to someone? Never did. Because okay, so un unpack that a little bit. That That's a gold nugget. So you always say, do you know someone instead of actually pitching the person? Explain that a little bit. I like it. I like, well, I like where you're going. If you say, do you need a mortgage? Do you need to refinance? They go, oh, my God, this guy's going to try to make me get a mortgage. So they go into defensive mode, right? Right, Ruben? But if you say, do you know anybody? you would be shocked mm. how many times people say, God, I was thinking about that. You know, do I need to refinance? I said, well, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Let's talk mm. about, I'll give you my card. Boom. 
give me a call and we'll analyze your situation and see if it's appropriate. I never say, well, well, what's your interest rate and da-da-da-da-da, because I want them to be able to feel comfortable that I'm not, you know, over aggressive. Okay, so let's this is uh this is something that we I think we all need to download here is that there's a very natural inclination that we have to go and pitch ourselves to the person that we just met at the barbecue, at the after hour party, at the conference, at the line in Starbucks or at the grocery store, uh, a friend of a friend that we meet. It's very easy to, for us to go into that sales mode where that person is the prospect. And now we should pitch ourselves to that person because they're right in front of us. But I think what Tony just taught us is there's this unlock where we separate ourselves from having to pitch the person right in front of us. And instead, we know that they have influence and they have friends. And if we simply share what we do and see if they know someone, it prevents them from putting their guard up to a sales pitch. And I, and I really, really think that we all need to think about this because this is like one of those life-changing pieces of advice that we can all learn as everyone's a salesperson. We're all selling something, right? It's influence, it's a product, it's a service, it's information. Um, and I think that it's really important to not put people on the spot. So thank you for that, Tony. Well, thank you very much. I, I'm glad you like that. Uh, I think that the, the under uh, or the foundation of that has to be that it, it comes, we want to sell stuff, but it has to come from a sincere place where it doesn't matter if that's person, it's that mm. person. We're marketing by letting people know uh, what we do. And everybody that worked for me who embraced this raised their income by 20% or more. Mm. Now, not everybody can do that. And I don't know that you can do it in any environment, uh, but North Carolina is a little different. We, we talk to everybody in the mortgage business. I, I had a, uh, a little, requirement anytime somebody got a mortgage whether or not it was my customer directly or any of the loan officers we had a little exit interview and we were there was a time when most of the people were coming from new york and new jersey that were doing reload and when they would come in i'd sit way back in my chair and i'd say well i gotta tell you something and they'd say what i'd say well here in North Carolina, we've got a program you need to know about. It's called the Stranger Elimination Program. Okay. And these people would, these people would go, oh, my God, where have I moved to? I'd say, well, it works like this. If you're at the grocery store or anywhere, you're out and somebody starts talking to you, Ruben, guess what? They're just talking. Yeah. That's all. They're getting to know you. They're eliminating strangers. And you would be literally shocked to know how many people who had come to North Carolina from up north where nobody talked to them ever would come back to me at some time. And they'd ask the receptionist, can I talk to Tony? And i say, sure. They'd come in and say, I just want to let you know I'm eliminating strangers. <laughs> and, and <laughs> hey, stranger danger. That's it, buddy. I'm eliminating strangers. <laughs> Don't talk to strangers, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so you know how you you know how you solve that one? Talk to the stranger and then make them not a stranger anymore. <laughs> Eliminate them. So that's really the program. I really appreciate that. Um, 
well, here's here's another thing that I think people really need to listen to from you because you embody this, Tony, and I really appreciate it about you, is how can we learn to be more humble? And I know that that's a deep question, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of, pre- of a preface on that with some context, is that when we go and spend um, 10,000 hours, 20,000 hours, 10 years, whatever it may be, whatever your metric is, to become an expert at something, we might feel like we have become the expert on that, and we are the trusted source. And there's this element of, are you putting yourself in uncomfortable situations where you force yourself to become a student, where actually you're not an expert anymore? And you'll meet some people that embody this almost borderline arrogant expert mentality, and it might be because they never become a student, and they always find themselves in that single lane, that single little block, and they're not pushing themselves out of that, which means they're not, unfortunately, growing, okay? My question for you is, if we feel like we're being arrogant, if we feel like we're not being a student, how is it that we can push ourselves to either actively become humble or inactively become humble? Because at the end of the day, people like to work with humble people. That was a lot of information. I'd love to have well, you actually answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> the answer was in the question. If you if you have the, the true desire to be a servant leader and express humility, you have to be willing to go out and do things where you're not the expert. If if you always want to be the expert, you're never gonna be able to do it. So to me. The answer was in the question. Uh, and my mother taught me something, God rest her soul, that I think may may be important here. And that is, there are a lot of people who demand that they're right all the time, sometimes even when they're not. And she told me, and, and I'll paraphrase her, she said, if you insist you're right all the time and don't have an open mind, you run the risk of being wrong forever. But if you open your mind, she taught me minds and parachutes have to be open to work. If you open your mind, you now have the opportunity to be right from now on. Do you really want to be right or you want to be a, the great pretender? So yeah, I know that's a little off the question you asked me, but I think it has been the key uh, from my perspective that from my yeah. perspective, it has been the key to staying humble because being mm. taught that insisting you're right or having to be the person in charge mm. uh, in the mortgage business, I had two, uh, uh, you know, the little plaques you put on your desk. Uh, one of them said assistant. Okay. And people would say to me, I thought you owned this place. Well, I do own it. That's why I'm the assistant the other one said problem resolution engineer Mm. because we all get paid right for the problems we solve yeah you know when i was doing uh seminars for realtors in order to build my business the first thing i showed was a uh picture of a mcdonald's and i would ask them what is that that's a mcdonald's i said yeah that's where i go to get my coffee in the morning i grab a sandwich there it's junk food it's all of that but it's something else it's the place people work 
who are willing to work for at or near minimum wage mm. because everybody can put a hamburger across, but who can sell a house? Yeah. Who can go through all that? So mm-hmm. it's the problems we solve. So I told them in the mortgage business and really in everything I've ever done, when I get a problem, I look up and say, Lord, thank you for that problem. Cause I sure enough don't work for minimum wage. Mm. Yeah. Does that make, huh? Does that make any sense to you? Well, I, I, this was, this was a really great learning for me because um, what your mom now taught us initially taught you, but now what, what she taught us was that if you insist on being right all the time, you might always be wrong. And I think that that's really, that's really the answer that I was looking for. So, so thank you for sharing that. It's a, it provides a really unique perspective for me where you ask yourself in the form of the deepest form of self-awareness, when was the last time you were wrong? When was the last time you were a student? When was the last time you were a beginner? When was the last time you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation? Starting something new in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. When was the last time you did that? Because maybe if you haven't, you, my friends, my dear friends, you are stuck in your comfort zone. And I don't know what great things can happen in the comfort zone. (laughs) Great things have not happened to me in my comfort zone. I can assure you that. Not much can happen. Well, there's no growth in the comfort zone. How about that? There's no growth in the comfort zone. Thank you for saying that. That's exactly right. There's no growth. You know, it's just like I, I'm working with a company that is is beginning something and people complain that it's not perfect. I heard today uh, in the meeting, we're looking for progress, not perfection, A, but all the real opportunity. Have you ever seen the Rogers Bell curve, Dubin? Yes. Ruben, I mean. Yes. You've seen that? Yes. And it shows growth. And where the opportunity is, is in the early adopters. So when people tell me, oh, everything's not perfect, I say, thank the Lord. Yeah. Thank right. the Lord. We right. are, we're on the precipice of opportunity, and it is imperfection. Well, there's, if you study the, uh, if you look at the sort of neuroscience of um, reward systems and what breeds the most success in children and adults, does not matter absolute same results if effort is rewarded versus intellect the results are dramatically better with the group that was rewarded for doing more effort putting Mm -hmm. the effort in not the folks that were told that they're bright or intelligent and this is something that i have to remember as a leader as a follower As a student, as a teacher, as a father, I need to teach, and as a son, I need to teach myself and continue to remember this, that the thing that we should reward in the people around us is the effort that they're putting in to do things, not in the skills that they were, quote unquote, born with or some preconditioned situation that they have. And for all the leaders out there, I, I think that we should remember this, reward on effort not on intellect because effort is where it's at. The brightest people are not more successful than the people that work the hardest and put in the effort. (laughs) There's so much data on that. 
<laughs> yeah, John Wooden had a, a quote about that. He used uh, to be my neighbor, just so you know, in Encino. I'll tell you a story in, in a moment. <sighs> well, I mean, everything that we can think about, about being good in terms of striving for excellence was embodied, obviously, in that man. Yeah. And uh, one time somebody asked him uh, a question about about effort. And he, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said almost exactly what you said, that he rewards effort mm. or he rewarded effort. Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, I'll just share my screen and I'll share a very quick story on John Wooden. This is the um, fame, famous celebrity coach of uh, UCLA basketball. He, te he taught um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and so many famous people, un unbelievable guy. Uh, he wrote, what was it? What was the name of his most famous book on winning? I'm trying to remember. It's escaping me right now. Me um, too, but I'm 76. You have no excuse. <laughs> That's true. Um, so let me quickly show you this. I'll share a very quick story. This is, this was his unit. I think his unit was right here. All right. And I used to live on the other building and he, if you notice here, the, there's these um, these rails on his on on the balcony, right. and his balcony was facing the the driveway, the street. So the delivery folks could actually come and deliver all the fan mail directly on his balcony. They didn't need to come into the complex and put it in front of his door. So because he got so much fan mail, um, he had to remove some of the some of the banisters from his balcony. And he ultimately had the sale, the uh, delivery people put those, the fan mail directly on his balcony. So every day that I came home, every single day without fail, every day, there would always be a box or an envelope or something on his balcony, which was fan mail. And, and that my friends is, is that's what you call legacy. You know, when you have people sending you fan mail constantly and that Probably is 20 years after he had retired it's probably still coming there to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. They call me coach. It was the name of the book. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And he has the foundation for, you know, having a life all, you know, all the way up to self-realization. Yeah. So here's one for you, Tony, you've got someone on your team and they're not performing in a way that's just, that that's acceptable uh it's not sustainable results are not there you don't know how to keep them around maybe it's a commission situation maybe it's not okay what how do you deal with that situation wow well it's it's a a process obviously the first thing that i always did when i had somebody that was underperforming was make it clear to them that i was there to help and in the mortgage business, I offer to go out on some appointments with them, et cetera, et cetera. And if that never worked, they obviously weren't making the right money. I'd have a counseling session with them and ask them, you know, how do you feel about what you're doing? You know, is this something you really want to do? And if the answer was yes, I'd put them on a path of uh, self-improvement and study, depending on what the problem was. I mean, I've had some people that, uh, and this goes back to the conversation about you have persistence, but it has to be coupled with consistent. 
uh, I had a kid that worked for me and, and he would work until he had his bills paid for the month. And then he would, he was out of here, right? He was on commission. So what could I say? And he did enough to pay his bills every month. And I called him in and I actually said, Shane, why are you cheating yourself? And he said, why am I cheating myself? What do you mean? I'm not cheating myself. Yeah, you are. You're a lot better than this. So what I tried to do was use the positive reinforcement of what I saw in him as a possibility and then try to build on that. But there would come a time and it came with him uh, when I just said, look, you know, you're doing two loans or three loans a month. You we're now past you're not doing right by you. You're not doing right by me. And there comes a time when you know we're in this together, right? You need to figure out if this is what you want to do. And if so, you need to put in a more consistent effort. Because mm. you got it in you. But always, you know, you know about the, the what they call it, the sandwich method. You know about that? Maybe. You tell them the truth. Has to be the truth. You oh, got compliment the, sandwich? The, yeah, you, yeah, the sandwich method. You, okay, you, got you, it. It has to be true. You can't right. tell them a lie. If you tell them a right. lie, then, you know, like, right, right. He's, he's BSing me. Okay. Tell them the truth. Then you tell them what the situation is, whatever the problem may be which of course is the hamburger between the bun. And then you close with, Hey, you got it in you. So that's how I always handled that. And mostly I had success, but I did a good job, frankly, on the front, uh, getting people that, uh, that were good at it, but a person that is personable, but lacks consistency can fool you. Hmm. Well, this is this is some really thought provoking material here. I think we all need to take a moment to self evaluate and figure out where we're where we are and are we being persistent and consistent? Are we being good leaders? Are we empowering people? Are we remembering that at the end of the day, a leader is just an assistant in disguise? And if you can't enjoy Amen. that, you know, if you can't enjoy that idea, then you know. Find a way to enjoy it because there's so many rewards on it. Tony, where can folks learn more about you, about your business, your social media? Uh, would love to love to get it all here. Well, uh, the best way is to reach out to me, tell me what you're interested in, and do that at Tony at socialmobileplanet.com. Uh, and I've got a, a Facebook page of that and a website, uh, socialmobileplanet.com. So I'd appreciate it if anybody's interested. Shoot me an email. We'll set up a time to talk. I'd love it. Uh, and that sounds really good. And then you have um, you have a Facebook. Tell me about that again. Uh, Facebook, also socialmobileplanet.com. I'm not near as active now. Uh, what I've been through the last year has kind of set me behind, but I'm getting more active again uh, on that. And it's socialmobileplanet.com or uh, you know, my personal page is Marin's Pop because I'm the grandfather of the heart out of my body walking. And her name is M-A-R-I-N, Marin. Marin's Pop. Yeah. <laughs> there it is, folks. 
Well, Tony, listen, I so appreciate you. I'm going to go over to my, my kid's school and I'm going to watch him do a show. And uh, I'm going to remember what you taught me today. I'm not for, I'm not going to forget this, Tony. So what was that? You. I, you know. Well, what you what I mean, I'll summarize what I learned from you. Okay. Number one is that it's so important to remember that if you are always right and your your chances are you might never know that you're sometimes wrong. It also might be a self-realization point, point where you're not putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation because the comfort zone is where to your point no growth occurs. I will also remember, Tony, that the placard on my desk should not say best CEO, best leader, best human ever. It should say yeah. best assistant because ultimately my goal is to remove yeah. blocks from other people and to assist them, to help them achieve their goals. Because guess what? If we're all part of the same team and everyone on the team is achieving their goals, then probably so am I. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> you know? and, and I think the last, last thing is that there is enough sunshine to go around. And ultimately, through our hard, hard times, we can persevere and we can, we can find our joy. Even if we failed and went bankrupt and lost everything, and we can still come back on top and be a great pop and a grand pop. Thank you, sir. Can I add one other thing that I'd Please. ask people to do, if, it, if it's okay with you? Please. When I go through the drive-through at the uh, fast food places, getting something for myself or whoever, I always tell the young ladies, usually young ladies, sometimes it's guys, I, I, I say to them, do you know how important you are? Hmm. And they look at me and say, I'm important. You're one of, one of the most important people around because you touch more people. Hmm than 99% of the people in the country. And they kind of smile big. Mm. And I'll tell you what you did just then, young lady. I was going to go home and beat my wife to a pulp. And then you smiled. <laughs> you saved her. <laughs> of course, I followed that up with, I'm not married. So I'm just letting you know that your smile is a blessing to the world. And you would be amazed at how happy mm. they get. Mm. Yeah. So I'm putting that out there and saying to people, if you express appreciation to people who seldom receive it and it's genuine. Yeah. Genuine appreciation. You can make a difference in, in the lives of people that you don't even know. And the ripple effect of making a difference is really what life is about. I so appreciate that. You know, it's so important to have those random acts of kindness and just tell the people that serve us, I appreciate you. Thank you for doing what you do. You're feeding me and you're feeding a thousand other people today. And that's critically important. So another great point, Tony. Thank you so much. Anything else you wanted to close out on? No, uh, I've enjoyed this. Uh, I need to get a better haircut. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I I've got plenty to share. I could see that. Uh, I, I, I can say I'm not jealous, but I want to be. Uh, so, thank you so much, Ruben. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. And next time we do this, I'd love to hear about how you're using Dub, the video communication platform. And uh, it would be great to, to build more success stories using our technology. So thank you so much, guys. Check out Dub.com if you haven't heard about it already. 
And uh, we'll see you at the next episode. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Likewise. Bye-bye.